This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, diamond, diamond. Experience! Welcome to another episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I am your host, Derek Diamond. And if you haven't yet, be sure to check out both of last week's episodes. Regan Bell and Christian Jones joined me to list our top five Star Wars moments. And I do a spoiler-filled review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And you could check out both those episodes at linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. That's where you can find everything Derek Diamond Experience related. If you want to subscribe to the podcast... YouTube channel or social media. Everything is in one location, linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. But for this week's episode, I'm going to be chatting with actress Amber Doig Thorne, who is one of the lead characters in the, I guess now famous Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey film, uh, which is a horror take on the beloved children's character Winnie the Pooh. And I remember the story breaking about this movie and I'm like, what, what is this? Like, it's one of those things that sounds so crazy that you have to know what it is. And I got to watch it before I talked with Amber. We talk about the movie. We talk about what made her want to get into acting a little bit of the filmmaking scene over in London. And we just had an overall really fun chat. She was great to talk to and definitely hope to have her back on the show to promote some of her other projects as they come along. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Amber Doig Thorne. Happy to be joined with my very special guest this week, actor Amber Doig Thorne. Amber, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you, Derek? Doing fantastic. And we were talking before we started, you know, as we're doing this interview, it's it's pretty late in your time. You're located in London. So first of all, thank you for staying up to do this. Of course. Uh, it's, thank you for it, doing this after work. As I was saying, you must be very tired. So I appreciate uh, you doing this after work. <laughs> well, well, we're appreciative of each other. So that that's a great start to the podcast. So um, I always like to start these interviews with this, you know, because I, I tell people, that want to get into film and television, that there's not like a how-to guidebook on how to get into the industry. Everybody kind of finds their own unique way. So what is your story? What was it that made you want to get into acting? So I've wanted to be an actress for as long as I can remember. I think the moment where I realized I was incredibly young uh, and I just watched Titanic for the first time with my parents. And I remember like crying at one point during the film, obviously I presume it was the ending. Um, and afterwards I said to my parents, like what, why do I feel like this? Like, I, I don't really understand like how I don't know these people, they're strangers. And my parents explained like, no, they're actors. Like this is acting, like that's what a film is. And they explained the whole concept. And I remember being like, whoa, that's so cool. Like how can these strangers make me feel like this through a little TV box? Um, and ever from that moment, I was just fascinated with acting and movies and filmmaking. And I always knew it's what I wanted to do. Um, so I'm just very grateful that now that is what I'm doing. <laughs> Well, you picked a heck of a movie to to be your inspiration because I can remember, you know, when that movie came out in theaters that it was one of the first like event movies. Like you you 
like you had to go see it because of the the epicness of it that it was such an iconic story and had a very character driven love story at the heart of it so now i you're one of the first people i think that have outright said that it was their inspiration but no i i can totally understand that for sure yeah i imagine it probably is inspiration for a lot of people especially my age but then again i i do feel like for me there's been like defining films each decade like you say that is kind of an event I've just realized, I think a lot of them are James Cameron films, actually. So like Avatar was the same for me. Like you have to go and see that in cinemas. You can't sit back and like watch it at home. Like it was just such a big event and like so much CGI and it was amazing. Um, so yeah, I think obviously I watched Titanic at home with my parents, not in a cinema, but it still had such a big impact on me, even to this day. Like anytime, if I walk into a room and someone's watching Titanic, that's it. Whatever I've got scheduled for the next two hours, someone better rearrange it because I got to sit down and watch the whole film. <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Now I've I've got my I've got my set movies where I'm like if it's on, I, I'm sitting down on the couch and watching it. So no, what I, are those I totally movies that. for you. If you had to pick like three, what are oh, the ones that you just can't go to? Uh, the Empire Strikes Back is one. Um, let's see, Clerks by Kevin Smith is one, even though it's rarely on TV. But if if I'm scrolling through it, you know, on, on streaming and find it, then then I stop and watch it. Uh, what would be my third one? That's a tough one. Um, probably probably the original Sam Raimi Spider Man. Oh, nice, good choices. <laughs> well, I I appreciate it. I'm I'm easy to please when it comes to movies. So w- <laughs> once you just once you decide that. You know, this is what you want to do. Yeah, how how do you get your foot in the door? Because you you've been in several horror movies, including one specific one that we're going to get to here in a bit. So, yeah. how did you get your foot in the door as far as your acting career goes? So, I feel like personally, experience is the most important thing. Um, so, as soon as I was old enough and I'd finished my education, graduated university, I was like, right, full speed ahead with the acting. So, I did everything that I could to get experience on set. You know, I was doing student films, short films, unpaid work, left, right, and center, like commercials, music videos, anything that I could to one, get experience on set and two, develop my craft in a way that they don't teach in drama school. I think drama schools are great. Like I did three months at RADA, which is like one of the most well-known drama schools in the United Kingdom and it's fantastic. And I did a month at the Beverly Hills Playhouse in Hollywood, which was also wonderful, but they teach you more about like the techniques and kind of like the history of acting whereas i personally feel like i learned so much more from actually being on set um and then to take that to a next level i thought i wasn't really being cast in the things that i wanted to be cast in so i thought i'm going to be proactive and make that content myself uh so i started i, I love comedy so i started producing my own original comedy shorts uh which i posted online which is how i grew my social media following to about three million combined followers which is crazy um but that was great because that gave me experience writing directing producing editing doing lighting sound everything so for me i think that's the most important thing because i genuinely believe learning to do all of those roles made me more appealing as an actor and also a better actor because i understand not just being in front of the camera but all of the aspects behind the camera which to me now when i look at my performance I could, I'm already thinking when I'm performing, right, what is the editor going to be looking for? Okay, where's the lighting best, this, this, and this. So I think my advice to people would be try and get as much experience as possible. You know, even if you haven't been to drama school, it's not the end of the world. Personally, I would cast someone with lots of experience over 
going to a drama school and not having experience. Um, and if you're not getting cast in the roles that you want to be cast and you know, create your own content. So many people are doing it nowadays. Like, I'm pretty sure there was a film that either won the Palm Door or some like amazing award and it was shot on an iPhone. So <laughs> anything is possible. No, absolutely. And congratulations on the social media following, by the way, because as, as someone who's done a podcast now for nine plus years, it's not wow. easy to build a following. So it's it takes a lot of work in order to do that. And, I, and kudos to you for having the self-awareness to realize that you, know, you should learn what's going on behind the camera and not just in front of it, because film is such a collaborative effort it makes it so much easier if you understand what's going on behind the camera, like with people behind the camera, you know, I tell people take an acting class or just have conversations with actors so you can, you can understand. And it's really important as a director too, because, and a writer director as well, because yeah, you write the words on the paper, but the actors are the ones that the audience is going to see that are going mm -hmm. to feel that emotion that you want them to feel. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think something that you just said is something that I felt for a very long time, which for me, the best writers and the best directors are also actors or they have acting experience or they understand acting and the best actors also have writing or directing experience. Um, and I feel like those three go really well hand in hand. Like there's so many like triple threats out there. Like Ben Affleck is a perfect example. You know, he does all of them. Um, yeah, I would definitely say like my favorite directors that I've worked with over the years, either are actors or, you know, they've had acting experience in the past and they really understand the acting and the way that they direct you is so different and it's the same like i've read scripts and i can tell straight away when i read a script if it's written by someone who's just a writer or someone who's a writer and actor because sometimes people write in a way which isn't really authentic and you say it out loud and it doesn't flow like a normal human conversation would and then i'm like right okay so they've not heard these words spoken out loud whereas like when I write, I would like read my script out loud to myself or I'd have like my parents or like my friends read it to make sure it's like supernatural, uh, not supernatural as in super space natural. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I'd slowly raise my hand because I'm totally guilty of doing that. I, I've taken an acting class or two and I'd, I've learned that it's not for me, but it did help me understand like the mindset of an actor. But I, I still find myself when I'm writing scripts, you know, and like my wife has been helping me out, you know, with with our latest short that we did last summer. I let her read the script and she's like, it's good, but the dialogue can use some work. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you write like you would talk and you don't talk like most people. So how like how, how does this sound? And I, I read I'm like, OK, you're right. So, no, is it, it, it you're exactly right. It's exactly so interesting. Right. That's the thing, like everyone talks differently as well. And that's something that I found over time, actually, like some directors are so strict and they want to stick to the script word for word, whereas some directors are more collaborative. And I've had scripts in the past where the text makes sense on the script, but as soon as you say it out loud, it doesn't. And then like, luckily the director said, okay, well, let's just try and change that a little bit to each actor so that it sounds a bit more naturalistic and again that's another thing in a film sometimes the dialogue just flows with so much ease i'm like okay that's either an incredible writer or they've been really collaborative with the actors and let them have a little bit of freedom which i think makes such a big difference and that's the fun part of film too is the collaboration like you mentioned there are some directors and writers that they want you to say it exactly as it's written on the page which is their right in order to do that but at the same time the actors are the ones that are 
conveying the performance. They're the ones that the audience is going to see. So it, it and plus like actors I've found can add little nuances to characters that just make them so much better. Yeah, like some of my favorite moments in film have actually been like improv. Um, so like once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, the scene with Leonardo DiCaprio where he's in his trailer and he's just like talking to himself mm. and he's like in the mirror and everything after he's messed up. So apparently that was all improv. And that is like my favorite scene in the film. And I feel like, again, like you were saying, you know, that's actors adding a little bit of nuance because I feel like once the actors got into character and become the character and started to think like the character, sometimes they can actually bring an extra layer that even the writer couldn't because the writer's writing all of the characters, you know, they can't be that in depth with just one. Um, whereas the actor is just solely focusing on one individual role. Um, so yeah, I completely no. agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of acting, you had a pretty crucial part in a little known horror film, and I'd say that sarcastically, called uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, which I had the pleasure of watching yesterday. And I have to ask, what was your reaction when you first found out about this movie? Because I remember reading that, you know, the characters are in the public domain, so there's going to be a horror movie. And I'm just like, What? <laughs> but but so the concept good. is genius though like to take oh, no. it so clever sorry <laughs> but like like the one of the ultimate children's characters yeah and you just make him a bloodthirsty killer like it's genius Literally. so so what what was your reaction when you found out about it so I kind of have the same reaction. So I saw, um, I'd worked with a production company before on an, another film called Return of Krampus. That's also a horror. And um, I saw this one pop up on a casting website, like a casting call. And I read the synopsis and I went, that's funny. And I scrolled past and I genuinely thought it was a joke. <laughs> and then I realized it said this certain production company name. And I was like, oh, I've worked with them before. That's not a joke. Okay. And I reread it and I was like, huh, that's, that's wild. Okay. And then I was like, let me pay a little bit more attention to this. And like, I loved Winnie the Pooh growing up. I love the character so much. Like he's one of my favorite childhood characters. I had the toys, I read the books, I saw the movies and I'm a really big horror fan. So I was reading it and I was like, this is actually a really cool, like pretty unique opportunity to merge two completely different things that I love together and turn Winnie the Pooh into a horror film. So I was like, why would I not want to be involved? <laughs> but yeah, my, my very first instinct was Oh, that's a good joke. Because I think it was around April the 1st when I read it. And at first I was like, oh, it's an April Fool's joke. Cool. Haha, <laughs> you got me. But it was not a joke. It was real. And um, yeah, I think with regards to it being in the public domain, um, I do think they were very, very clever for doing what they've done, turning this into a horror film. And I think I'd say the, like 99% of the reason why this film has done so well is because we are the first people in the world to take the character and put them in any movie setting. But the fact that it's a horror movie in particular, like I personally, I've done quite a few horror films, like you said. And um, I think that the horror movie fans are some of the most incredible fans in the world and they're so loyal. And it's one of those genres where there's the predisposed audience for any horror films that come out. Um, but taking such a famous character, obviously there's a lot of controversy around it as well. Um, but yeah, I was blown away with the reaction. I don't think any of us expected it to like be in cinemas worldwide, or, like taking in millions of dollars. It's crazy. <laughs> well, it's one of those things when you hear about it, it just sounds so outlandish and crazy yeah. that you almost have to see the final product. And that and that's how I was too. You know, I, I was genuinely excited to see that take on the story. And it, it was such a, a fun experience, you know, because it's one of those that you just ride the wave you enjoy the ride of how the story unfolds and I, I i think it was very cleverly done 
Yeah. Oh, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. The thing is, I think at the end of the day, if you go into the film knowing what to expect, I think you will enjoy it. Like the thing is, it's a fun film. You know, it's not meant to be taken too seriously. Like there's moments where people are going to want to laugh out loud and that's fine. We were laughing whilst we were making it. So we hope that everyone laughs whilst they're watching it. Um, and it is quite a funny film and it's it's very lighthearted and there's lots of gore and it's quite self-aware at times. And I think people who understand that going into the cinemas have been the people who enjoy it the most and have got the most out of the film. And I mean, I've watched it at like the European, worldwide, UK premiere, a few different fan screenings. I've seen it like five times in total now. And obviously I'm a bit biased, but I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> it is a very fun movie. Yeah, it is. So talk to me about the environment of of making the film. Because didn't it take you guys only like eight days to yeah. shoot it? Something like that. That was just so crazy to me. Like, <laughs> so I, I think three days yeah. on a short is crazy, but eight on a feature, that's just nuts. So this is what I find wild. Like I've genuinely spent two weeks like as an actor on a short film before. So when they said eight days for this, I was like, what? <laughs> but the thing is like for low budget filmmaking, this is so common. Like I've probably done a good, maybe 15, 16 films where they've been feature length, you know, like 90 page scripts and we've shot them in between seven to 10 days. When there's such a low budget, like this film was shot in a 20,000 um, pound budget, which is probably about 30, $40,000, very, very low budget. Um, which means you have to try and get it done as quickly as you can. So with these indie films, it's very normal to have like between 12 and 18 hour filming days and try and get everything shot in a week, which is incredibly intense. But I mean, I like it. And especially for horror films, I feel like that intensity and the pressure and the stress, it adds to kind of the experience. And it really helps me with my acting because a lot of the times, especially in horror films, that's what your characters are going through. You know, your character is stressed and under a lot of pressure. So it makes it feel more like, more naturalistic in a way because you're experiencing it as an actor just as your character would be. <laughs> no, for sure. And something I was thinking of too while I was watching the movie was that, you know, it it was moving at a very, very fast pace. Yeah. And I, I think... If I had to say one complaint about the movie, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more, I want to say drawn out, but a little bit more time with the characters to kind of get to know them a little bit yeah. more. But it, it, it is what it is. Like if you're trying to meet a certain runtime or a deadline, you know, you got to you got to make do or you got to make concessions with certain things. But that that was yeah. really my only complaint about it. But like I said, it was a very fun movie. To be fair, it's interesting that you say that because like, I feel the same way. Um, so when I read the script, there was a lot of scenes that we filmed, which were cut from the final film, which developed the characters. So for example, my character, Alice and her girlfriend, Zoe, there's a really beautiful scene where they're discussing their relationship and how my character's had many like female, female relationships before. And she's really comfortable um, being LGBTQ plus. And her girlfriend is not, you know, this is her first kind of lesbian relationship and she's still finding her feet. And it's a really beautiful scene where you really get to understand the characters and their relationship and the dynamic. And then it was cut from the final film. And there's so many people who said to me, oh, I didn't even realize that your character was queer because there was no development. There's just literally one scene where you and your partner say, I love you. And I was like, it's such a shame that they removed that. But at the end of the day, like you were saying, you know, I understand about running times, but I think a lot of the characters actually had that. Like when you watch the film, there really isn't that much development. That was like, which is why I said, you know, same to you, um, same as what you said. When I watched the film, it, it was kind of like I was watching a, a different movie to the script that I read in a way because so much of the development had been cut. It was more of like a, a killing montage in a way, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, maybe one day there'll be an extended cut and oh, that we'll would get be nice. to see those extra scenes. 
Well, to be fair, they have sent us the deleted scene. So I've seen them myself and I gotcha. really enjoy okay. them. So I'm hoping that they'll share them at some point in the future because they are really nice. Yeah, even if they're online or if there's going to be like a physical release one day, you could they could be included as some bonus features. Yeah, I, I think, you know, people would appreciate seeing stuff like that for sure. 100%. Well, I might ask them and see if I can post it on my YouTube channel and then maybe that can be a little exclusive. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about the movie. Did you have a favorite scene that you filmed? Because... I guess we could spoil it because the movie's been out for a while, but your character kills off Piglet. That's my favorite scene. Okay, there we <laughs> go. How many actors can say that they've killed off one of their favorite childhood characters? Like, it's so weird. Honestly, what, like, I remember that was my final filming day and it was such an intense day because I'd just been tied up for like nine hours. You know, we need to put, okay, spoilers alert. Um, the film's been out before a long time. People will hopefully have seen it by now. Um, but Winnie the Pooh kind of kidnaps me after he kills my character's girlfriend and he has me tied up. And for some reason, the director was like, yeah, we're actually going to have you tied up for like nine hours outside in the middle of the night. And I was like, cool, this helps me feel what my character's feeling, that's fine. Um, and then we went into that scene where I, I wake up and it's really emotional and I'm breaking down on camera because I've gained consciousness and realized that my girlfriend's died. And then we went straight into me killing Piglet and then straight into Pooh killing me. And it was just, oh my God, that whole day was just wild, but probably one of my favorite filming days that I've ever done because for me, it was iconic. Like I never thought I'd be able to say, oh yeah, I, I killed Piglet today. <laughs> That's so random, but it was just such a fun scene to film because it, in a way it's just so ridiculous. Like if you said that to someone before the film was announced, they'd be like, what, what are you, what? <laughs> but then it makes sense once you've seen the film. So I'd say, yeah, for me, my favorite scene was definitely the confrontation, the standoff that I had with Piglet. I could just see casual conversation like, oh, so how'd your day go? Like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> killed Piglet. Like, wait, As what? Yeah. Like, you yeah. Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, that's what I call Thursday. Like, what, what do you mean? Say, just another day, isn't it? Standard day in yeah. the office. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, what's next for you? Do you have any other uh, upcoming projects in the works? Yeah, so I'm in pre-production for, I didn't even know this, but I literally just had an interview and someone said, wow, so you're in pre-production for 13 films on IMDb. And I was like, am I? That's a lot. <laughs> I need to make sure I schedule in some time to sleep. Oh my goodness. Um, but I'm not gonna talk about all 13, don't worry. I know you've had a long day at work. Um, so I shall mention the three that I'm most excited for. Um, the first one is called The Baby in the Basket. It's a 1940s Gothic horror. Um, I play Sister Agnes, who is a nun living in a monastery. A baby's left in a basket on a doorstep. Uh, we don't know where the baby's come from, so I kind of take in the baby as my own and look after him. But some mysterious occurrences start to happen, which believes makes my character believe that the baby is actually the son of the devil. There may or may not be people possessed and murders are plenty. So uh, that's all I'm saying about that one. But I think it's going to be very interesting to film and very challenging. Probably the most challenging role that I've had so far, but I love any type of gothic horror and it's very it gives me very like psychological thriller vibes um so i can't wait for that the second one that i've got coming up is called mr hyde the untold story and it's another retelling of a classic tale um so if you know dr jekyll and mr hyde this is a modern day retelling of that story with a very big twist which i think people won't expect uh, and i play the villain which is a nice change because normally i'm the victim so it makes me happy for once that i can be doing the damage <laughs> um and then the third film that i'll mention is um very very different 
and I'm co-producing this one and playing the lead female role. It's called Dying Breed, uh, and it's a Viking film about the end of Slavic paganism. And it follows a group of Rus Vikings as they sail to Scandinavia to find a safe haven, but disaster strikes and they end up shipwrecked in England where they come across a group of Saxons, including my character. And why I think this film is so important is it's telling the true history of Ukraine. And with the war going on at the moment, there's kind of this thing where Ukraine's history is slowly being erased a little bit. So I feel like this film is very timely and it's got a very, very important story, which is very close to my heart because my boyfriend's Ukrainian and he wrote the script as well. So we're acting in this together. We were both in the Winnie the Pooh film. So it's kind of like we've come full circle, which is really nice. So they're the three films that I'm most excited for, I would say. Well, and that's what's cool about what you're doing is that, you know, in addition to you playing an LGBTQ character and with this, you're helping bring awareness to certain topics, which is yeah. great because, you know, as an actor, you get the opportunity to to voice and in a way kind of be the face for that. So that's really 100%. cool. Thank you. And I kind of feel like it's our responsibility. Like I've been a very big champion for representation since I started acting and writing as well. Like whenever I write anything, I make sure that there is fair representation, whether it's, you know, gender, sexuality, ethnicity. Like normally when I think of a character, they're not a particular skin color or gender. They just, I think of their personality and then I'm like, if someone walks through the door and they have this personality, I don't care what they look like. I don't care who they fancy, who they don't fancy. If they have that personality, that's what I want. Um, but I do feel like as an actor, it, it is our responsibility to try and seek out those roles um, and play them as authentically as we can. And with this Ukrainian film, I had a meeting. Uh, we've just had the film picked up by this amazing Swedish production company called Film Snickerate. So we're hoping to film in Sweden later this year. Um, and I said to them, like, the most important thing for me with this film is whatever profits we make, like take it out of my pay. I don't care. We need to donate it either to Ukraine, to a foundation that supports Ukrainian refugees. We have to support Ukraine. And what we found out is that apparently Sweden have taken in a load of Ukrainian refugees. So what we're going to do is try and speak to the Swedish government and give those refugees jobs as either supporting artists if they want to get into acting or if they're interested in being behind the camera, maybe give them like crew roles and kind of train them up a little bit. So not only am I passionate about the story, but I feel like you said, you know, we are kind of supporting Ukraine and kind of giving back in a little way. So I think that's why it's so important to me. It feels like my baby. <laughs> No, absolutely. Once you're done filming that, we should have you back on the show to talk about it. I got, I'd i love to hear it. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much. That's so kind of you to offer. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have a website or social media that you'd like to plug so the listeners can follow you? Of course, I have all of the social media channels, Derek. <laughs> so if you search my full name, which is Amber Doig Thorne, I'm on all of the social medias, the TikTok, the Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. If you name it, it's on social media. I'm also on there. <laughs> but Instagram's probably my main one. And I try to respond to all comments. So, you know, if you have questions about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey or anything else that I've done, if people want to send me a message or drop me a comment, I try to respond to everything <laughs> when I can. Awesome. Well, Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This was a blast. Of course. I had so much fun, Derek. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Thank you again to Amber Doigthorn for that awesome conversation. Be sure to follow her on social media to find out what she'll be up to next. We're going to be having another bonus episode this upcoming Thursday. The show's going to be jam-packed over the next couple of weeks. Tommy Ryan, a local actor, will be joining me to talk about his short film, The Third Division, which will be showcased as part of the Gulf Coast Film Fest and Social, which will take place May 27th at the Hellcat Hangar in Pensacola, Florida. 
You can get your tickets now. There's a link in the show notes, or you can head over to facebook.com slash so diamond events. It's a really dramatic short, and I can't wait to talk with him about the making of it, the the mindset that he got into. I I got to see it a few weeks ago uh, as part of a a local Gulf Coast film screening, um, and it's pretty powerful stuff. So I'm excited to pick his brain about uh, the process of getting ready for that film. But until then, you can head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. It's where you can find all the podcast information if you want to subscribe to the audio version, the YouTube channel, social media, everything is in one location, linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And this podcast is in the running for best podcast as part of In Weekly's Best of the Coast Award program. Uh, There's also a link at the Linktree where you can vote for the show as well for best podcast. So if you'd head over and vote, I would very much appreciate it. But that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, We'll see you guys back here on Thursday for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast.